Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come close to a stage win, and this year another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro d'Ona, finishing 12th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open, and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy, it features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strength and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Maka with the SBS Volta Espana Zwift podcast. Bonjour, 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 and uh, buenos dias. I don't know if you can hear the bells uh, behind me ringing. It's 11 a.m. here in Spain. It's 7 p.m. in uh, some part of Australia, not everywhere, but some part of Australia, at least where my two co-hosts are, starting with, of course, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Mate, I am good, and I'll tell you what, you are getting better by the day because did you just ask uh, the city that you're in to play the bells right on cue because... I'm loving the sound, mate, and I'm even you, you're getting me even more jealous. Yeah, that or we're just starting on time. It's depending. Well, we're starting <laughs> on time, which is good. Yeah, it's always good to start. It's a on good time. sign. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Joining us is uh, also a Grace uh, Gracie Elvin. Sorry, how are you, Gracie? Ciao, guys. I'm. I was glad to hear the bells this time. I was going to say yesterday maybe Tiso needs to come and uh, tell them what time <laughs> to set it to better, but it's it's on today. So good start to the show already. Yeah. As a slight uh, anecdote, uh, yesterday they rang the bell. I was counting, da, 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 and then they made a mistake. They had to redo it again because they they missed one. So I guess there's certain regulation. Uh, so they actually had to redo it again a few minutes after you, that. Probably you're that's kidding. A, no, no, it's true, 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 true. Uh, so maybe it's a you know uh, work student or something uh, that, that were actually ringing the bell and he missed one. So uh, funny uh, moment. Anyway, uh, yesterday we had another stage at the Vuelta. It was stage uh, number two, still in the Netherlands. And Maka, what a winner we have in Sam Bennett. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about it, didn't we, last night about who our tips and picks were and of course, we'd love to see an Aussie win in Caden Groves, but I must say, I'm so wrapped for Sam Bennett. He's had two years now without a big victory at World Tour, and he's nailed one here for himself and for the team. It's been a long road back. You know, we talked about the back and forth sort of innuendo between him and his old team manager, Patrick Lefevre when he was at Quickstep. And look at that there, that vision there, Julian Alaphilippe congratulating him, the world champion. So plenty of respect for Sam Bennett, and it was, uh, as I said, a really good win. Yeah, absolutely, and then uh, of course, uh, long time coming in between uh, in between drinks for uh, for Sam Bennett. Uh, let's actually listen to uh, to Sam Bennett here because that's quite uh, interesting what uh, what what he had to say. Uh, there's a little bit of emotion, of course, uh, in his voice, but there's also a big smile, and he can have a big smile actually. So it, it looked like uh, Mats Pedersen had it. And, yeah. Were you still confident that you were going to pass him? Um, at the beginning, I thought maybe I because I. Danny brought me up with speed, and then uh, he kind of he was ready for me to jump, but I, I waited just for a second, and I didn't know that I leave my speed drop 
a little bit too much because Danny was coming with so much speed that um, I should have kind of went straight away. So I was a bit nervous that I wouldn't get on top of the speed again. But in the end, like, we came from behind. Danny delivered. Danny, he didn't deliver me. He launched me. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, like, his down to the boys today you know they did a fantastic job bringing me to in the intermediate we uh we tried to just collect points we didn't try to go for the actual the first place in that um kind of keep the legs for the actual final and then um yeah you know they, they brought me to the line with great legs and uh yeah i don't know you know like in the moment you're just you're just racing i wasn't i was more worried about holding on than it was actually than being worried about passing people. <laughs> Two years after your last win in the Grand Tour at La Vuelta, after everything you went through, mm -hmm. how big is that? Yeah, it's nice. Like, I, I, I knew I'd do it again. It's just a matter of getting the right legs. Um, uh, what I'm really happy about is I continue my pattern of each Grand Tour since 2018, I think. I've won at least, say, one... I've won... One, uh, I've won at least one stage in each, so I'm happy I continue that. Well done, Sam. Thank Cheers, you. thank you. So that was uh, Sam Bennett uh, mumbling his words a little bit at the end. But, it's uh, always uh, harder for the sticks. Irish. <laughs> yeah. there's a, there's a, or try, try the French as well, you know, it's a bit hard as well. I'm, I'm known to mumble uh, some of my words. But uh, Gracie here, what we hear from Sam Bennett, uh, there's a big smile. Uh, there's a bit of relief as well because we know the whole drama with his, uh, with his former team and the fact that he wasn't resigned. He found a new home in Bora, didn't deliver for, for, for a few years. But uh, this should feel so good for him. You're right. Yeah, it's a big relief. I, I really enjoy that interview for a few reasons. It's really nice. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Maka, too. It's really nice to see Sam Bennett get the win after everything that's happened. Um, but I, I really like that he was talking us through that sprint. And it, it's so difficult what they're doing to deliver, to think. They're going more than 60k an hour and still making decisions, working together as a team. Danny Van Popper was the most valuable player for the day to deliver and launch. I love that he said he didn't deliver me he launched me and that was so true it was just like it looked like uh, Danny was going for the sprint he was going so quick and then it was just awesome to see Sam go straight off that wheel they were both you know the the class above everyone else with their um uh I'm trying to think of the word having a mental block but the, the way they worked together and 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 executed their plan yeah. Um, so yeah, great to see. And I think that they're going to be the ones to beat now in the sprints. There's not too many opportunities, but Christoph, it was interesting watching Julian Alaphilippe congratulate his ex-teammate there. I think that was a great show of sportsmanship, but do you think that maybe he was also sending a message to his team manager because of some of the words <laughs> that were directed at Alaphilippe this tour? Mm, no, uh, Gracie, you're becoming a really good journalist at stirring it as well. That's my role now, <laughs> stirring little details like this. <laughs> But you're right. Uh, and Maka, what's your vision on this? Because we talked about it before. Uh, Lefebvre, you would think Philippe is the last person he would take on uh, for what the guy has delivered for the team, two mm. world championships, uh, and so much publicity around. Uh, is that a little nag, like uh, Gracie could say? Yeah, look, maybe. And look, we were, the three of us were talking in the green room just before the show started, and I'm not going to repeat because I haven't read it or seen it. But Patrick Lefebvre has made some other comments, some innuendos, if you like. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, in the last 24, 48 hours, 
he just likes stirring the pot. And look, for journalists and for trash, for, for trash media, and um, he's great because he gives you these quotes and one-liners and because he's such a big figure in the sport. But, you know, when he goes after individual writers and for really no reason, that's when I think it's it's off limits and it's 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 uncool, it's unprofessional. And, um, yeah, and Gracie, and we, we've got to get off him, don't we, because here we are talking about him, <laughs> or I am at least. But even when he made that comment about... Um, you know, do we need a women's? Do we need a women's team, or should you know? Did he even want to help the women's sport? He's just—he he hasn't got a lot of class, uh, Lefevre, to me. No, I think that it's—we can say we shouldn't talk about someone, and and we shouldn't give them air. But I actually think the opposite. If someone's doing the wrong thing, you need to call them out on it, and we need mm. to keep calling him out on any bad behaviour that he has or any bad comments. And he's made plenty of bad comments over the years. Sometimes it's just funny and entertaining and inappropriate, but sometimes. It does need to be called out. So it'd be interesting to see what else he comes out with in this welter and for the rest of the year. But look, yeah. I, I I don't want to give him too much air in general, but I think that it's not a bad thing to talk about him when it's it, it needs to be talked about. Yeah, and well let's, uh, let's, let's feel lucky, guys, that we don't speak Dutch because he's got Colin every Saturday morning in a, <laughs> in a newspaper. Uh, if we had to read this for work as well, it probably would be worse. You know what? Let's go back to actual cycling, to actual racing. Uh, let's have a look at those last few meters uh, from yesterday because there's a bit more that has happened than the win from Sam Bennett. So those were the last few hundred and so meters from the sprint yesterday. Dan McClay is the second of the riders in the fluoro colours. He's got Merlier just going around his outside. Mullen is trying to push his way through for Bennett's. McClay does a little bit of push and shove. Bennett is waiting for the road to open up. He's got Merlier just behind him. Bennett's been quiet for a couple of years. He's trying to find the form of stage victories at the Tour de France. Pedersen opens up. It is Bennett who's bouncing over the top. It's Pedersen, Bennett's, and it's Sam who is sensational. He manages to get the win. He said he wanted a win in the opening weekend, and he's managed to do so. I really uh, wanted to, to show those last meters because, yes, there's the big smile from Sam Bennett, and we can talk uh, ages about this, but let's talk about uh, Tim Merlier as well on this one, Maka, because he really got boxed in on this one. Uh, we can clearly see on the aerial shot that he gets boxed in a little bit. Uh, bit of a deception, I think, actually, for me, or uh, deception is a bad translation, a bit of a, uh, a low, an unlucky, unlucky performance here because he felt like he was probably the man, one of the strongest on that day. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting point that, but I'd almost go back further. It, it, unlucky, you make your own luck. And look, sometimes, you, you know, you dive left, you dive right, as you well know, Gracie, and the, you know, the road opens up for you or the door completely slams shut and, and you can, you know, sometimes it's a guessing game. But what was interesting, if we go further back on that stage overnight, Alpacin, they went on the front sort of early. They chased the breakaway. They were only at a couple of minutes and they got them back to within five seconds and then they'd sit up, they'd let them go back out. Yeah. And they post-stage, they were saying they were getting frustrated that no other sprinters teams would help them. But... There's also this element, I think they were getting a little bit panicky and they didn't need to. And, you know, he maybe got boxed in because he didn't have the men that he should have had to help him in that last few kilometres, Gracie. Yeah, I think maybe you're right. Uh, they 
I think they were confusing the peloton and the, the viewers at home. They brought it back too quickly and they, they put too much effort in too early on. I think the break came back with 50 or 60K mm. to go. They And then, you know, luckily they didn't have to go with too many aggressive attacks after that, but it they would have been opened up to being vulnerable to having a further aggressive stage. So I think that, yeah, it, 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 it didn't look great. Uh, they wanted to show that they wanted to have a sprint and that they wanted other teams to get involved as well, but I just think they went about it the wrong way. But mm. uh, I thought an interesting fact, one of the guys for Alperson that was on the front for a lot of that stage, he was roped in from another tour because Alperson lost a guy right before the Volta started and they, they were scrambling. They didn't have anyone to fill the spot, so they, they pulled uh, Florist uh, Tin, I think his name is. and uh, yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, He's already done three stages of racing before and he, he had to fly <laughs> in the morning of the team time trial and start straight wow. away. So he'll have almost a four-week grand tour under his belt if he finishes. <laughs> um, but I think that they'll be a little bit more um, self-disciplined in the next sprint stage. I, I don't think that they'll be playing exactly that tactic. But I think uh, Bora now has to do a bit of work too, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we, we had a four-week grand tour under our wings as well. Okay, we hey. did this. So we had more. It was nearly five, wasn't it? It was almost five. Let's call it. Absolutely. What it was. <laughs> uh, before we we will talk a bit further about about him, but uh, there's a comment here uh, from uh, Ian that says, "Too bad Caden Groves couldn't find the right wheel because he did show speed." Uh, we'll talk a bit about Caden in a minute or towards the end of this program about the stage tonight. But yesterday was one that Caden could have performed maybe a little bit better. Is it luck? What or, or unlucky? What was it, uh, Maka? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like what we just said about Tim Muller. You know, he got boxed in. You you make your luck. Sometimes you dive left, you dive right. You think you're on a good wheel, even, and that wheel ends up going nowhere. So, look, he was what was he tenth on the stage? So he wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't disastrous. There was a couple of sprinters actually, you know, way off the pace from him. Brian Cocker was one of those, the Frenchman, for Cofidis. So Caden's there, he's in the mix. But as we know, at this Vuelta, there's limited opportunities. Like there seems to be for the sprinters these days in Grand Tours. So every opportunity missed is is one less and, you know, you, you, you're closer to the mountains. So he'll, he'll try and, you know, better that performance tonight for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about another Aussie that we, of course, keeping an eye on uh, for this whole of Vuelta is Jai Hindley. Uh, our work experience get caught up with him straight after the finish. Sam, we won, but uh, that's fantastic for the team, eh? Yeah, yeah, really nice. It's uh, awesome to see him get up for the win because I've always uh, worked really hard to, to come here in the best shape possible when and uh, yeah, first race takes a, takes a big win, so it's like what more can you say? Yeah, it's always hard when you've got to uh, when a team has to try and juggle GC ambitions and take a a, a sprinter. Yeah. But so far, it's working okay for you guys. Yeah, I think uh, you know it really depends on the race, but you know I think here it's, uh, it's actually it's really nice to have some bigger guys and uh, ambition for the sprint as well. It's nice to. You know, with that, you uh, can stay further at the front in the finals on the flat days. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it's also just a nice uh, change to have, you know, some sprinters in the team. And, and yeah, they're really good guys. And it's, it's always a good, uh, good vibe at the dinner table, that's for sure. So uh, what was it like today? It was seemed very windy in stages. Was there any stress or was it pretty good? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty stressful, like on and off all day. 
uh, especially with the big crowds. Like the atmosphere was awesome, but well, there was a lot of people out. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really cool atmosphere, but yeah, pretty stressful in in parts, and especially in the final there. When I think 15k to go, it was uh, yeah, it was on like Donkey Kong, man. All right, mate. Well, look, uh, good luck over the uh, the next week, and I suppose about five days is when uh, you get tested. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Another probably stressful day tomorrow, and then and then to Spain, and then uh, yeah, then hopefully some solid mountains. <laughs> Thanks, John. Cheers. Cheers. So, as a Jay Hindley here uh, with uh, John Trevorrow, our work experience kid, uh, we do love uh, John. Uh, quick question for, for both of you, actually, maybe starting with you, uh, Gracie. Uh, John said five days until he gets tested. It's not COVID, uh, it's tested in the mountain. Uh, how eager do you think Jay is now to get started? Because that's a long lead way for someone like him. Or is it very comfortable and a nice way to just ease in into the Grand Tour and be able to perform in a couple of days now? Yeah, I was doing the math on my fingers when I heard that uh, test in five days. Like, oh, that's an earlier COVID test than normal, probably. Yeah, I did the same. Um, <laughs> but I, I quickly figured it out. But um, look, he seems really relaxed. He, he He's a lot more comfortable with the media now. I think after everything that happened at the Giro, I think he's just come to the Vuelta going, okay, I know how this works now. And he said it in the interview, it's nice to have a bit of different variety of riders in the team, nice to have some different um, objectives with the sprints and a couple of the other GC guys as well. So I don't know, I think he is in a really relaxed frame of mind, even though he's a very relaxed guy already. So I think he's just warming his way up into it, but also just making sure he's staying out of trouble because these flat stages and, and like the, the first week of any Grand Tour, it's pretty stressful. Everyone's a bit fresher and excited and there's more crashes. So I think he's just, you know, trying to keep it all together, keep it, keep a lid on it until he's allowed to have some fun in the mountains. Yeah, absolutely. And then Maka, uh, we said it many times, but uh, more laid back Jai would be horizontal Jai. Uh, than a, yeah, than an ironing board, um, <laughs> 100%. No, look, there's there's a couple of things you take away from that. And yeah, I guess to reiterate your points again, Gracie, one is, you know, the two road stages here in Netherlands uh, are nervous for guys like Jai, for the GC guys. They just want to get them out of the way and get to the finish in one piece. We did have one rider withdraw, by the way, overnight um, yep. because of a crash and maybe one or two may not start. Um, and the other thing is I love his attitude. You know, I love it that and, – and you're right, Gracie, he is getting better and more comfortable with the media, but he's not perfect and that doesn't matter. He's just Jai Hindley and he's a real different sort of a breed of a GC rider to me and I'm loving that. And I think he's – part of the new the new gen that's coming through that are going to dominate our sport. You know, there's all, we're already seeing them. But in terms of GC guys, Jai Hindley is this, this next breed that, um, you know, isn't sort of robotic, if you like, um, in front of the camera or robotic about everything that he does. What we're just seeing is the same kid that when he was a, an under-23 for the national team, the same kid at the Midlands Cycling Club, is it in Perth, that he raced for, um, yeah, I just I just love everything about him at the moment. And, you know, win, lose or draw, he's not going to sort of throw the toys out of the cotton, spit the dummy at all, is he? I think he'll, he'll just get on with it either way. 
Yeah, for sure. It's really good. I think that we're going to see a whole new bunch of new talent coming through in this tour. I think that the that just the Aussie list is impressive and, and young and we haven't really looked into all of the other countries either. So I think mm. all eyes are on Jai, but there's going to be some great young talent showing what they're, they're made of in this Grand Tour. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have a new red jersey, a new uh, leader of this race. Uh, same team, but uh, uh, different, uh, different guy. It's the uh, same nationality as well. Mike Tunison, let's listen to him. After leading the Tour de France, here you are, leading La Vuelta. Was that the plan? Uh, no, actually not. Um, I mean, I've been saying already for, uh, for a lot of days that uh, we are mainly here to protect Primos. Also today, that was the big plan. Uh, but actually this morning um, the guy surprised me a bit, uh, saying that, uh, that if it's all going to plan and Primoz goes safe into the last 3k, then uh, yeah, we could see uh, if I could be the one uh, across the line first. So uh, that was already pretty special and uh, I already want to thank uh, the team and everyone involved because, like you said, the yellow jersey is really special and now actually the red one after that is uh, is maybe even more special. Uh, I heard from Robert, it was an amazing day and I'm already really looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, I mean, in the in own country, already a lot of people cheering, probably tomorrow will be the same. It's, uh, it's really amazing uh, for me and uh, for everyone. Enjoy. Thank you. So that was uh, hmm. Mike uh, Tunison here, the new leader, new red jersey of this Vuelta. Now, he mentions it a little bit in his comment here, but let's have a little bit of discussion around this. If I look at the uh, Jumbo Visma team, there are three Dutch riders. Two of them, Guessing and Tunison now have wore the, the, the red jersey. I was going to say the yellow jersey, the red jersey. That left Sam Hooman, okay? Will Sam Hooman go for the red jersey tonight just to make the triptych complete or will he just feel totally jibbed? Maka. I don't know. I tell you, Gracie, what do you think of his graphic there? He's really starting to fuel this, isn't Look he? Look at this. Beautiful. I know. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, Look. you know, you, you actually might be onto something. Jokes aside, <laughs> I think you might be onto something, my friend. Um, I mean, it's... We heard what Mike Tunison said, and, and you know, let's cast our minds back when he won that opening road stage at the Tour de France. He was so unknown, and yeah. he's still a little bit unassuming. You know, he was fourth last night in the stage, you know, against some, some of the world's best sprinters. Um, they're in the Netherlands, and why wouldn't you hand it on to another Dutch teammate? This could be the last opportunity they get ever in their career to wear a, a leader's yeah. jersey in a Grand Tour. Makes sense, doesn't it? And also, sorry to, uh, before, Gracie, I'll have your opinion just uh, after this as well, but uh, just to fuel that controversy, let's listen to what Rowan Dennis had to say a couple of days ago. A leader's jersey, um, defender, it doesn't... Look, if, if we lose it to someone who's not on GC today, then it is what it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, the goal is Madrid. Um, if we keep it, maybe it'd be nice to pass it through to the team a little bit, a bit of pass the parcel, but... Uh, that's that is what it is on the on the finish line. It's not going to be planned or anything. So yeah. Hey, I'm not saying yeah. it. Uh, not it's planned. There. It's, there in the right. it's not planned. <laughs> uh, uh, Gracie, opinion on this? Well, yeah, after what they did at the Tour de France, we all were wondering, oh, are they being a bit too ambitious? Are they trying to be a bit too greedy? But they pulled that off. So mm. uh, maybe they can pull this off. I'm not quite sure how they would get uh, Sam Uman to to get cross the line in 
the position good enough to take the red jersey. I'm, I'm not sure if that's possible on this stage, but anything's possible, I guess. So, you know, that, it would be cool to see it. And he wouldn't get to wear it in another Dutch stage, unfortunately, but he'd still be able to pull on the red jersey in front of a Dutch crowd in the at the podium. So, I don't know, I think could go either way, in my opinion. Otherwise, they're... They're going to keep the red jersey for a little while longer, though, yeah. I think. <laughs> But look, look, at, look at this. He's third on GC, Maka. So what does yeah, he need to do? Well, this is, this is one of those ones for the real tech heads. Maybe we need Kino here. But um, because Tunison was fourth on the stage, yes, he was fourth on the stage. If he finishes on the same time tonight, and even if Sam Uman beats him across the line, to me, Tunison still holds the red because it goes on a count back of your highest placed. So in order to lose the red jersey or hand it over to his teammate, Sam Uman, he's going to have to lose a couple of seconds. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. That's the way where I read a, it. Where there's a will, there's a way, Maka. Where there's a it'd, wheel, be, there's it'd a be nice. Way. I think it'd be good. I'd, like to, I'd be happy to see Sam Uman get the red. Dutchman, yeah. Dutch team in, on Dutch roads. Why not? I, I can hear in your voice that we've talked enough for this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on, mate. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, Caden Groves and what uh, could be the, uh, the uh, for tonight. First of all, let's listen to uh, Gene Bates. He's the DS of the Bike Exchange, and he talks about him. Now, a uh, big stage for Caden coming up. Uh, it's his first Grand Tour, but a, a really good chance for stage win today, I reckon. Yeah, we're focused on the process to get him there, to allow him to sprint, and that's the, the big one, and how we've approached it all season with him basically. Um, we want to give him a clear run, get him into the final as fresh as possible and let him do his thing because, you know, on his day he's fast enough to win. All right, good luck today, mate. Cheers. On his day he's fast enough uh, to win. Uh, Gracie, his day, could it be today? Look, I am not that convinced actually with Gino. I think that they're not really supporting Caleb as, uh, Caleb, Caden, as well as they, they could be. I think But they have split objectives. So they've got riders around Yates and they're protecting him as well going into these crazy finishes. So he's not losing time against GC. So Caden actually doesn't have that many guys helping him. So he doesn't have a full lead out like some of the other guys do or at least a decent lead out. Um, they're doing a pretty good job in putting him into good wheels in that last 2K, 1.5K. And it, it, they're, they're leaving it up to him to figure it out after that. He is super fast. He just needs a little bit more support. He needs another guy there at least to take him into the final kilometre and the last 500 metres, really. So I think, you know, you can talk all you like about process, but he, he just needs an, an extra guy like Danny Van Poppel. He needs a Danny. And, and the problem, though, I think, Gracie, I think you're spot on and I agree with you, but then who is that rider? Because say you've got Hepburn, Durbridge, who are the horsepower with, you know, 5K to go, even 3K to go, but then you've got to – you need a guy that's almost a sprinter themselves, don't you, to be able to actually be prepared to risk and push and shove and throw the elbows out. And I'm not sure um, Bike Exchange, Jaco, have that rider. Like, like um, who's the Slovenian guy that, of course, helps uh, Michael Metzgek. Matthews? Medzgek. Yeah, perfect. That's who they need. That sort yeah. of guy, don't they? Yeah, for sure. They need someone like him. 
in this particular lineup, I'd be using Kellen O'Brien, but I think that they're saving him for, you know, some tougher stages, potentially even figuring out if he can be a GC rider or not. So I think that Caden is having to fend a bit too much for himself, unfortunately. And I think that Green Edge team bike exchange might be a loser in this kind of situation because I'm not sure how well Yates is going to fare in GC either. So hopefully they have a good run at GC because they might not get the sprint stage results that they're after if they don't mm. uh, come up with a better process, I, sh I could say. <laughs> Uh, let's have a look uh, at the, the stage uh, tonight, the profile. Uh, notice what I've done here. I've highlighted the two highest points of uh, this stage. We're going up to a balmy, a balmy, a crazy 29 meters uh, height starting from nine. So it's uh, an overall elevation of what, 30 meters overall? It's uh, I mean, incredible. Th <laughs> this is the Netherlands. I mean, isn't it, isn't it known to be the average height is like one or two meters below sea level because you, yeah. you realize 70 percent i think it is 70 percent of the netherlands is reclaimed land yeah it's polders. actually quite it's, it, it's insane called polders <laughs> yeah it's, is that it's, what they call crazy it's called polders yeah absolutely yeah. uh but the also the average height of the men over there is about two meters as well they are so tall <laughs> let's go with cliches let's go with that's cliches. the kom that's the kom <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh when, when we see a a profile like this uh we talked about kaden you know it's definitely going to be a sprint stage uh, maka you mentioned in this pre-chat that we were having it's also the longest stage of the vuelta this year yeah it's the longest stage so 193.5 that's what i've got on my book here but there's a little catch guys uh, there is potential of crosswind. This was talked about in the preview before the race began. They're saying 15 to 20 kilometer hour winds. There's, they're not, not sure it's going to be enough. Gracie, you would have done loads of racing in the Netherlands. You don't need much wind. And if you've got the right direction, it can blow up big time. That's right. But I, I do think that you need at least 20k an hour winds for a good crosswind, maybe a little bit over 15, but I don't know, my general rule of thumb was more than 20k an hour. Today's stage is kind of a big loop as well. So it's better if you're going from point to point because you have more opportunity for crosswinds to happen because you're going to be going more in a similar direction. But in this particular course, there's a lot of opportunity also for headwind and for it mm. all to come back together. But it looks like it could be quite a fast crosswind in the last third of the stage and finishing with a cross tailwind so that's quite dangerous so I don't know I think it, it it'll probably all stay together I've always got my fingers crossed for a so bit I'll of just, echelon so my but. theory there is just pure <laughs> hope you've just you've slammed it <laughs> there's not yeah. going to be any crosswind <laughs> yeah uh, and, and it's an early start as well uh, or early-ish start for 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 the commentary it is. Well, 8.20 on demand, folks. So if you're listening in, jump on demand, SBS on demand, of course, 8.20 and then 11 p.m. on the main channel. So it'll be a good one to catch tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you hear the bells behind me. It's the, you know, it's the bookend. We need to finish. It's half an hour. <laughs> but we've covered everything else. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think I think it hasn't been too much other news out there, Gracie. I was asking you offline um, about the women's calendar at the moment. They're in a little bit of a sort of a one or two week window, aren't they, before the next race, big race? 
Yeah, the women's cycling is in a much needed break because it's just been jam-packed all season. And I think a lot of teams are struggling to, to field full teams. They have been since the spring. I think there's just been too many World Tour races, but we've got another one coming up next weekend. But I think all of the, the women are enjoying a little bit of time away from racing, but probably also time away from airports. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Travel and, and everything else. Anyway, so it's uh, it's basically live on uh, SBS On Demand around 8, 8.15 tonight. So uh, I'm sure we will enjoy all this. And then uh, we have a break actually tomorrow from, from you because there is no podcast. But there is uh, there are the rest day rides happening tomorrow with uh, Kate Bates and uh, Matthew Kinnan. I will be uh, joined by them. I won't be on a bike again. Uh, I'm, I'm getting away from it. You know, I'm, 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 it's good. I'm doing good. <laughs> <They're sweating. laughs> actually, I'm going to be sweating as well. <laughs> it's a job, my guy. It's a job. <laughs> uh, but same place, same time tomorrow is the rest of the ride. And then Maka um, and myself will be back on Tuesday. Gracie, you'll join us again towards the end of the Vuelta. Yep, I'll be still watching and keeping my eye on the race because it's, it's exciting and it's a grand tour. So what's yeah. not to love? But I'm looking forward to having the bookend with you guys later on in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely. Thank you for joining in today, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch-up with Walter Inspiration. To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday, the 11th of September. Hopefully I'll see you on the start line soon. Ride on.